you know, we're not going out there trying to win customers with the lowest price. We're trying to go out there and and serve the community with a healthy, sustainable, quality product. Hi there, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. Today, Christopher Mitchell speaks with Chris Schweitzer, Director of Auburn Essential Services in Indiana. Schweitzer describes how the AES network began in the late 1990s. The community deployed the network primarily for electric services, but over the years investigated other possibilities. When a major employer could not get the services it needed from an incumbent, AES expanded to begin serving business clients. Over the years, AES has branched out to also serve residential customers and now offers triple play to the Auburn community. Keep your ears peeled for Schweitzer's description of the AES business model. The approach allowed the network to become self-sustaining within a relatively short time period. Here are Chris and Christopher delving into Auburn Essential Services. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm with another Chris, Chris Schweitzer, the director of Auburn Essential Services. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about the the Auburn area? Uh, what's the population like? What kind of uh, history do you have there? Auburn is in northeast Indiana. Um, we're in the, the top right-hand corner of the state. Um, we're a, a fairly small community, fairly, fairly rural uh, county, actually. So we're the, the county seat. Uh, we have a population of about uh, 12,000 or 13,000. Um, Auburn's just really steeped in automotive history. Auburn is famous for Auburn Cords and Duesenbergs, uh, the luxury cars back in the 20s and 30s. Every year over Labor Day, it's the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Festival. So our town swells from 12,000 to several hundred thousand as we get celebrities and lots of folks from all over the world coming in to, for the collector car show. So we're going to get into the, the history of the Auburn Essential Services in a minute, but first, can you just give us a thumbnail sketch? Uh, Auburn Essential Services, it's a, it's a good name that suggests, uh, obviously, that these things are needed and that you're providing a valuable service for the community, but what exactly is it? Auburn Essential Services is a uh, sub-department of our electric utility. Um, we are tasked with um, providing internet, phone, television for the business and residents um, of Auburn. Uh, we also provide a little bit of data center co-location space as well as provide point-to-point circuits, uh, private data circuits. Um, that, that's our principal mission. How did you get into this? Uh, can you take us back to the beginning when the utility said, you know, we really have to get involved in this information stuff? Yeah, it was kind of a a long transaction for us. Um, so the kind of the, the rooted history is um, we've actually, the Auburn Electric Utility has been doing fiber um, since the mid-80s, actually. Some of the first fiber put in the Midwest um, between our substations for relay protection and control. And so they've, they've got some, they, our engineering group had some experience with that. But um, really what happened was um, us as a city government who, who had a movement for connecting our government facilities and just b- better serving the community, we put in a municipal fiber network just for city-county government operations. That was back in 1998. Well, when we did ni- uh, that, we actually put together a very formal master plan. It was called the Information Technology Master Plan. And uh, that included, you know, doing some I guess, fundamental things from an IT perspective, getting departments connected, hence the municipal gigabit network um, for city-county facilities. So you actually were doing gigabit even back more than 10 years ago? For city-county government facilities, kind of like an enterprise network, yes. 
Yeah, so um, we put that in, um, put, a, put in a geographic information system, put in um, some new communication tools and software administration system that really kind of changed the, the culture and the paradigm of how we kind of operate city government. So that was that master plan phase one. Well, there was a phase in that um, uh, document that we called phase two, kind of a real quick study in what would it be if Auburn stayed aware and agile to be able to support a need if there was a larger community broadband need. So we looked at uh, what are other communities in our region doing with um, non-traditional municipal utilities, so cable TV, telephone service, and internet or broadband. So we, we went around to various locations here. Uh, this was in the early 2000s. That was fine. We had an awareness. Well, uh, the catalyst for us, Chris, was um, in 2004. There was um, a longtime community resident um, here, Cooper Standard, uh, Cooper Tire, actually. Uh, they had um, they um, had a plant here, and actually, not only did they have a plant here, but they also had a, a large portion of their accounting and their data center was here. So what was happening was they were having some problems with continuity of service. Um, they came to us and said, you know what? Um, we have something going on in our company that we're going to be sold and we are evaluating whether to stay or to go. Their data center, that is. The mayor said, you know what? Um, yes, we've been studying these things, but this really isn't um, something uh, we need to do. Um, the incumbent should be able to take care of you. Let's go talk to them and let's figure this out so you guys can stay and, and get healthy and, and have your continuity of service that you need. So. We tried that, uh, and unfortunately, um, uh, I think it was maybe within three to six months, Cooper came back to us and said, okay, um, we're, we're not satisfied with what's happening there, um, and so um, we are actually going to put a, an RFP out on, on where we're going to go, where we're going to take move our data center. You developed uh, the plan for your the city needs, basically, in the late 90s, and then you spent a number of years sort of evaluating what was possible and seeing what other communities were doing? It wasn't a formal study per se, but it was actually our community leaders getting kind of educated and aware that, hey, you know, municipal utilities are doing some kind of non-traditional services okay. like Internet, phone, TV. Right. And then the other question was, I understand if you don't want to name the incumbent, but I'm always curious if it was sort of a big national company or whether it was more of a local company. Yeah, it was definitely a big national company. Yeah. Okay. So the big national company is not meeting the needs, and the company has gotten to the point where they're saying, look, we're going to have to go somewhere else. And you were about to explain what the community response was. Yeah. So um, they, they had went and talked to the incumbent, and um, they came back to us and said, you know, we're not, we're not able to, to get the, the solution that we're requiring. So we're going to consider um, and evaluate our other alternatives for moving our data center uh, as they, you know, detach from the parent company and essentially reestablish themselves. So this is a big deal. The mayor, you know, had on one hand, he had to say, no, we will not enter that space. Um, and I'm, I'm really sorry. And then there's about a $7 million payroll that was going to leave with the company. You know, the other option in which um, he did, he said, what we'll do is we'll step up. We have some opportunity here. We've got, um, um, there's another carrier that actually has a, a large point of presence that runs right through our community. Um, we can build facilities to them. We've got some experience um, with fiber, with delivering broadband, with customer service. So he, he said, let's do this. So we had been kind of studying the feasibility of that um, as this thing kind of started 
three to six months prior, we had in earnest put together some some uh, rudimentary feasibility numbers to see, okay, if we did this, this is a major first move. Um, is it sustainable? Um, is there a way to go from here? And so that indicated, yes, there would be. So we essentially in March of 2005 hooked up our first broadband customer, and that was Cooper Standard. Now, were you a part of Auburn Essential Services at that point? I started here actually in 1998. I graduated from college and uh, started here as an urban planner and um, filled the IT manager role in 2000. You know, and so as we um, got closer, I was the uh, guy who helped out uh, in launching that new service and, and have been managing it since the beginning. So it's been um, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I'm always curious when you go from operating a network in which you're just dealing with municipal agencies and you take on that first private customer. Um, what kind of changes did you have to make in terms of how you did business, if any, in terms of billing and making sure the service was available and meeting their needs and that sort of thing? At the end of the day, and, and still today, you know, this is eight or nine years later for us um, after first deploying, I mean, it's all about good customer service. Yes, the product has to be there. Um, yes, it has to be reliable. Um, but we, you know, we live and we work here in the community with our folks. So we have uh, kind of a an acute awareness of of who they are, what they do, what's important to them, because we communicate probably more frequently than than uh, maybe another larger company, smaller company relationship might. So I think the biggest thing there has just been understanding that customer service really matters, uh, and if something happens, we follow up and we make it right. And so just kind of that that in that implicit accountability that's present. Um, kind of makes a lot happen. So as you transition from an enterprise network you know, to a pro- broadband network, you know, a lot of the technicalities are very similar. Uh, but I think the, the major difference is just, um, but even so, even with an enterprise network, you know, you have users, you, users are customers, and you want to do a good job caring for them, of course. But um, I think the difference is, is that if we don't do a good job, um, you know, people can make a choice. And so we, we want to do a good job. How did you end up going from the hard decision of serving one customer to ultimately deciding to serve many? Our growth has been very much organic, and it's been very much phased and kind of methodical, and probably I, I guess you could characterize it, characterize it somewhat conservative. So we we really didn't um, put a plan together, uh, get our first customer, and then go out and build everything at once and try to be everything to all people at once. So um, I think the strategy from our community leadership, our mayor and uh, the staff um, and uh, the council has been to to do a lot of due diligence. I mean, there's certainly a plan in there. There was a feasibility study put together. Um, There was a business plan put together. And all along the way, um, uh, you know, there were some internal champions there, of course, the mayor, myself, and and some some key folks. But all all along the way, we, we made those presentations and had those conversations in the public with our board of works, with our council. And so there was very much a, a grassroots uh, um, effort there um, and, and making sure that all the key decision makers were included along the way. We had focus groups uh, from the business community. We had focus groups from the residential community to really understand the need, to really understand the um, what our motives were going to be. So with all of that in play, um, we also had designed a fiber, a passive optical fiber network uh, for the entire community as kind of a generalized plan. We knew what those numbers were. And so um, what we actually did was we didn't go out and get any external debt. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a, um, a successful electric municipal utility that's been around since 1900. Um, they've done a great job. They had um, 
they've got a great power system, um, so they've got a history of quality service and uh, low rates. And um, so we, you know, that's a that's definitely a leveraging um, asset for us, uh, us being a, a sub department of the electric utility. So what happened was um, we were able to take an internal loan um, from our electric utility to kind of catalyst or start the project. And so what happened was um, we started to build um, uh, the first cabinet, the first local convergence point, um, the first LCP cabinet, if you will, and started to serve some customers in kind of a pilot, pilot fashion. We got our feet wet with billing, with customer service, with kind of aggr- adding some, some aggregate customer base. And so as you've expanded, have you been able to lower your costs of doing so by coupling it with other capital projects at any point? The way we're structured is we are a sub-department of the electric utility. Um, Our electric utility, um, because a lot of the fiber is used um, for core business, for we've got projects, for example, that are, yes, uh, fiber between some stations, but also um, automatic meter reading and smart grid. That's another project that we're about ready to complete as well. All components made possible by a very strong and reliable and high-speed communications network. Um, so what happens is the Auburn Electric Utility owns and operates and maintains the fiber optic network, the passive element. And then our, the subject utility, the Alberta Central Services, we own and operate the electronics that light up that fiber. And so from that perspective, I think you can start to understand how the, the, the business, if you will, is kind of unbundled. There's a passive optical network, and that business plan floats on its own. Uh, expenses and revenues and capital deployments. And then um, on our side, the the customer-facing side, the active side, um, that business plan model kind of floats on its own. And so there's a there's a lease rate that we pay back and forth to one another. So it's kind of that's kind of the internal business model. So we make sure that we're sustainable and healthy and everything. So from a, a capital outlay perspective, um, obviously in the early years, the fiber is 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 a kind of a capital intensive project. Uh, but we did that; they did that very phased, and so we obviously coordinated with them and marketed around that phased approach and educated the community on what was happening. Uh, and then so we we also had obviously some capital projects, you know, buying a lot of ONTs and uh, ultimately deploying video. There's there's various cap- capital projects throughout there, but it was very much a phase in organic growth over time. And what has the financial result been? As you said, you didn't have to really seek external financing um, in the initial phases, but have you been able to repay your loans and and uh, and meet your business objectives? You know, we started in 2005, um, and we, we literally last last just year 2013 or the end of this year here, we've, we've kind of wrapped up all but maybe one or two little pockets of construction. And we uh, didn't actually take a loan um, out. Uh, our Auburn Electric Utility has never taken a loan out for that. Um, but our loan that we took from the Auburn Electric Utility, you know, the project can only go on for so long. And um, it was time. It was time for us to finish the project. So we took out a meager loan um, to kind of, one, pay back our electric utility, but also then to finish um, our video project and to make the final push to kind of get all this done. So we did take a loan out a few years ago when, when we first started back in 2005 from a cash flow, statement of cash flows. Um, we were actually uh, cash flow positive, you know, looking at expenses and revenues um, within the first 12 months. Um, and then it's just been good from there. Um, and uh, right now, from a cash position, um, doing well. You know, it's, I think it's for us, it's just been very methodical, um, kind of mitigating risk by way of, of of serving 
in incremental ways, um, not trying to overextend ourselves, um, doing business first, enterprise business first, and small business next, and residential next, and adding video at the tail end. All of those folks, you know, residential and video systems, they all benefit from having kind of a business class network that was installed back in 2005. So to recap on the, the financing, you took out a, uh, a loan from the electric department, like an interdepartmental loan originally. Correct. That was for the capital expense of some of the equipment that you would be needing, but the uh, electric department also built the fiber because it would be needing that fiber for electrical operations. Um, and so a lot of the expense of that plant stayed with them. And then if I'm guessing right, your Auburn Essential Utilities reimburses them based on how much of it you use. That's exactly right. So the, the way the business model flows is um, Auburn Essential Services pays a lease rate of the fiber to Auburn Electric. And so those metrics are built in a way that the fiber network is sustainable on its own, looking at from a, you know, a cost and revenue perspective and uh, as well as us. So we're kind of like two, um, two organizations working together under a, a larger, um, larger business plan. Right. It's almost as though if the city had put down a lot of fiber and then was charging a separate business or, or entity to use that fiber. I just wanted to make sure that we clarified that because um, it's kind of uh, abnormal to, to do so well financially within a year. A lot of times these networks take three or four years to pay off. Uh, and I wanted to make sure people understand you financed yours in a, a little bit different way than the way a lot of municipalities have. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think the, the other part of that, you know, there, there's the, the passive optical plant has certainly has a longer depreciation schedule. It has a, a little bit longer rate of return. I mean, so be clear on that as well, I guess. So, you know, they're not, you know, when you spend that much money on, on building a fiber optic plant, you know, the, the rate of return um, in, in terms of um, paying for all that capital, its depreciation schedule is just so much longer than, say, the active side where you've got set-top boxes and ONTs, you know, which depreciate in a matter of a few years. Passive optimal plant, you know, is, is 30 plus years. So um, that, that business model reflects that. So, yeah, but from a, you know, there's core business value there as well with um, SCADA, um, substation control, um, uh, smart grid projects that are going on. So there's, there's definitely an integration of the network and the communication space um, that benefits the community in multiple ways. So it, it's, it's kind of a cool project and it's um, feedback's been pretty neat and pretty uh, fantastic from our users and, and from the community at large. Just to summarize, I think, you, like you said, the network, the fiber network that the utility, the electric side owns is like 30 plus years. You said the set-top boxes are probably a few years and ONTs, I'm hoping, I'm guessing in the servers, you're probably hoping are about seven years-ish. Is that pretty close? Yeah, you know, I think I think in that space, I think you get different opinions, but, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years is kind of what that appreciation schedule might look like. The last question is, what have the impacts been? Uh, you have this incredible network. Um, has the community seeing uh, lower prices? Are you seeing more entrepreneurial development? What kind of impact has it had on the community? You know, where the price point is obviously lower and um, probably a lot more competitive in the residential area, um, um, we do well there. We, we save folks money uh, all the time. Uh, we're not always the cheapest, but um, or definitely, I think, the most valuable, and that's what we hear. We have very little turnover rate. Um, it doesn't mean that we get 100% of the customers. I don't know that we 
uh, it would be healthy for the community to for us to get 100% of the customers. But our intent is to go out and to make sure we have our product priced appropriately so we're competitive or helpful to the consumer, um, but we're sustainable. Um, so we can continue to invest in the network, invest in the product, and provide good service. Um, it's interesting when you go to the other end of that, uh, the enterprise side, that's really kind of our flagship product, and that's really where we do uh, well in terms of helping the customer with alternatives. So, you know, in the community, certainly 2005, um, you know, you had traditional T1s and, and uh, no other fiber in the community, and so um, being able to provide them a different, differentiated service at the same or less money um, was obviously helpful from a business operations perspective. And the same with business on voice. I think we're super competitive. We save folks a lot of money. And sometimes it's a few dollars, and sometimes it's a lot more than that. And sometimes we're a few more dollars more expensive. So, you know, honestly, Christopher, it's it's really a value proposition. We spend a lot of time educating our customers on our system. You know, we're not going out there trying to win customers with the lowest price. We're trying to go out there and and serve the community with a healthy, sustainable, quality product. And, and interestingly, in a town like ours, uh, the impact has been word of mouth, been our best uh, marketing element. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show and, and telling us about your approach. Thanks for the opportunity, Christopher. It's our pleasure. Visit AuburnEssentialServices.net for more on the network. We provide a few stories about Auburn Essential Services at the Auburn tag on UniNetworks.org. We encourage you to contact us with questions or ideas for the show. You can email us at podcast at UniNetworks.org. Our handle is at CommunityNets on Twitter. Follow us for up-to-date developments in telecommunications. This show was released on December 17, 2013. Thank you once again to the group Haggard Beat for their song, Laszlo, licensed using Creative Commons. And thank you for listening.